Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Growth Farm Production. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Having the right data and the right intelligence is critical to decision-making in business. But even when organizations are doing this right, does the right level of decision intelligence make its way to the CEO? How can CEOs ensure that they are getting not just insights, but the right insights to make the right decisions for their business? In this episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, Tisha Cable, the CEO and co-founder of C-Model, shares more about the challenges facing CEOs today and offers practical advice and solutions to empowering executives with the intelligence that they can find the truth in their data and grow with confidence. So please take a listen and learn from this powerhouse leader. Well, excited to be here today with Tisha Cable, the co-founder and CEO at C-Model. C-Model is helping CEOs find the truth in their data so they can grow with confidence. So welcome, Tisha. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to do this with you and just learn from you and learn more about your backstory. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, let's start by talking a little bit about your journey before C-Model. I mean, you've spent a dozen or so years in sales operations, in leadership roles, as well as being in leadership across business operations, business development, product strategy. You have a really wide background and really interesting uh, backstory. So maybe can you share a little bit more about that and talk about your career journey? For sure. So um, I have to I started my career in uh, sales operations and I walked into a company. It was a probably at the time about a seven year old uh, company. And they said, Hey, you know, we don't have a pipeline. Can you tell us what our pipeline is? And I said, well, yeah, let me figure that out. And at the time I really didn't know how to figure that out, but they also (laughs) told me they have purchased this little tool called salesforce.com. So this was back when Salesforce was Salesforce classic. So it was quite some time ago. And um, (laughs) it actually led me to a point where I was able to find opportunities and solve problems with software. So that's, that's what I got out of that, the, the early stages of my career. So it all started with, help me find my pipeline. I went, I went from there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, along your journey, I mean, was there a moment in time or maybe an event that really helped kind of shape and change your career? Or sometimes there's a person, right, that might have done that. Yeah. So for me, it was in that same company. I had a, a CEO who did two things for me that were big. The first thing he did was he gave me space to create within uh, my role. So where I found a a problem or an opportunity, he'd let me go off and solve it, right? With however I chose to do it, and then he'd give me a year or nay. But one of the other things he did that was a bit more significant was he, one day I'd given him all these reports and all this good information, and he said, you know what, Tisha, I appreciate this, but your numbers always have errors in them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So Uh-oh. now, <laughs> what that did 
So it was good. It was it was probably the best thing that anyone could have told me at that stage um, of my career because what it did is it sent me into a place where my entire focus became accuracy, completeness, and and really more importantly, the backup, the actual analysis. So from here on out, it was always a why or what the details were, where I got this information from, the detailed calculations. I kind of went all the way uh, with it, but I wouldn't <laughs> have I wouldn't have thought to do that before he gave me that feedback. So I'm greatly appreciative that um, that he said the stuff was wrong, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about the company because I think oftentimes companies get started when a founder is faced with, you know, a problem or a challenge that they're trying to solve, or sometimes there's some type of aha moment or an event that happens. You know, was this the case with C Model? And, you know, what led to the idea for the business and how did it get started? So I love this story. Thank you for asking. So. <laughs> Right. So as my in my time as a, a senior leader in companies, also, you know, as an employee. And then later on, I went on to be a, a consultant. I did that for about 10 years at the same time that I worked my jobs. What I found was that people were hiring me to do work that I thought they should be able to do. So accurately forecasting revenue was one of them. Um, the other one was being able to put those data observability measures in place. Um, so after a while of doing that, especially if you're getting data, they start to ask questions like, well, so what? Why? Why is this important? Why do I need to know this? And so when I went back to my whole, here's backup analysis, here's all the reasons why this is important, I also started gaining the expertise to draft recommendations. And here are some things that you should be able to do, ideas, thoughts. Um, and I couldn't scale that as a consulting company. I, I couldn't imagine trying to scale that and, and move that forward, but I did think I could build a piece of software. Um, I thought I could take the algorithmic pieces of what I was doing and deploy them uh, consistently in software if I knew some critical information about a business. And I have been testing these algorithms, right, in, in these companies. So I started paying attention to that and all the different revenue and growth models that companies were um, deploying. And then also looking at the amount of failure inside of uh, early stage companies. So when I added my two co-founders, Jasmine and uh, Brianna, and our CTO, Dr. Russ, we got to work because we believed we could we could solve what I thought was an analysis problem for companies. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you yeah. for sharing that story. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, you know, I guess when it comes to data, you mentioned this a couple of times already, because when it comes to data and insights, you know, I always say that everything starts and ends with data, right? Having the right data at the right time for the right people, right? is so incredibly critical to be able to make the right business decisions, right? And more importantly, take the right actions. Um, so, you know, based on your experience and sort of what you've been seeing, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing companies, you know, really doing right and then maybe doing wrong, right? When it comes to having those right insights for their business. Yeah. So there, there are some good things going on, right? So we, it's, it's interesting because we think about this when we talk about the problem that our company is solving, we, we put it in buckets, right? There's the bucket of here's all the bad things, but then there's some 
good little components that we don't have to mess with. One of those being that companies are actually thinking about data, right? They are trying to find better ways to utilize it. They're trying to organize it. They're hiring people in their companies to focus on that. Um, they're actually getting business intelligence sort of tools to summarize uh, that data. And even 60% of small businesses today are making investments in data and analytics. I think that is a great thing. So um, how we connect data sources so that we can more easily take looking at, those are things that have progressed that I think are fantastic. Um, when I think about what they're doing wrong though, it's, the list is still pretty long. Um, <laughs> right. Number one is, <laughs> right, I, I'm sorry, like as if I know everything, but it's still a long list. Uh, it's true. It, <laughs> they're focusing analytics too broadly, right? So this causes a lot of data to be underanalyzed, specifically related to growth, right? So instead of using data to create these playbooks, right, that could actually drive efficiency and, uh, and profit, we find that executives aren't able to consume the data in a way that allows them to use it to make the kinds of decisions that need to be made in order to make these playbooks really uh, credible, is what I'd like to say. And so, because of that, like here's an example, 39% of executives believe that their organizations are effectively using data. And less than that, about 24% believe that they can consider themselves data-driven. There are lots of companies. I, I will take SaaS companies alone. There are 25,000 SaaS companies globally. If this number is true, that's a whole lot of people that aren't currently being data-driven, right? That's a whole lot of executives that don't know the impact of data on, on their companies. They're, they're not getting access to the right level of information, which is, I also see a lot of these same companies talking to CEOs saying things like, you know, we got a lot of tech debt. That's the new, the new phrase, right? And what they're really referring to is their tech stack. But they're, we got a lot of tech debt and we're not yet seeing the ROI. That is not because there's a lack of good stuff going on. Like RevOps teams, are putting in good sets of technology, they're getting that data infrastructure in place, but it has not yet trickled up. The results haven't yet trickled up uh, to the executive level. So th that's some of what I see as being uh, wrong. And the last one, which is part of why my company exists, is that business intelligence and business analytics are two different things. And there's a site called uh, Difference Between that uh, I'm sorry, Difference Between .net that I love to go to because it gives you like the difference between this and that. And they have a really good one on the difference between business analytics and business intelligence. Because with business analytics, it's really in a very detailed way exploring your data, right? And then really focusing on the actual analysis, which would only uh, have an outcome of actionable insights. And that's something that's really missing. You see a lot of insights that uh, today and even tools I see that are just single data points from the data. Like, oh, your revenue was X last month. Your revenue is X this month. It's trending up. Well, <laughs> right, that really doesn't help us 
to make any decision. There's no, there's a, okay, so what in that, right? And so when we have true insights, they give us an understanding of something really clearly. And usually we have a cause and effect when we have real insights. And in order to get that, you have to correlate data. You have to know something about what you're looking for. And the best analysis includes when the person analyzing knows what good looks like, right? So I think of those as some of the top things uh, when I think about what's going well and what's not going well with data and insight. Wow. I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to check out that site, the difference between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a very distinct difference between business intelligence and business analytics. I love the way you've framed that. Very helpful. Um, so I guess what advice do you have, right, for executive leaders that they can maybe start doing like today to start getting better data to help guide their business? Yeah, the first thing I'm gonna, I tell customers is, understand the context of your business at the most basic levels. Mm-hmm. Everything you're working on, everything, everyone who's working on it, they should be focused on getting to the next phase of growth, right? So this requires you to narrow the list of data that you collect, narrow the metrics that you calculate and the KPIs that you measure. Because if mm-hmm. you're like a company like mine, you're existing to survive, you don't spend time on data and strategies that are relevant to mature companies. So in order to get to what exact, how to get to that best set of data, you need to understand where you are uh, as a company and what you should be focused on. And, And we can't dismiss the importance of processes, the ones that actually govern how that data enters into systems. And a lot of people, you get a lot of pushback on process these days. As a former RevOps leader, it was probably the just the, the hardest thing about my job was how much people would say, oh, it's too much process, it's too many steps. But they, they forget that just like you want repeatable growth in your company, you can't get that without repeatable uh, processes. So that that's my advice. Yeah, very well said. I love that. And as a RevOps professional myself, wholeheartedly agree. So I love that. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about more about C-Model. I mean, you're, it's positioned as a decision intelligence company, right? Helping CEOs find the truth in their data so that they can grow with confidence. I love that. Um, you know, can you talk more about how you think of decision intelligence? And then what are some of the challenges that CEOs are really facing today? Yeah. So um, great question. So Decision intelligence is, for us, we, we've built uh, uh, what we call a decision support engine. And what it does is we take your, you know, so there's a set of metrics, right, that your company has, the most appropriate ones. They're calculated based on where you are. Uh, as a result of those metrics, there's a set of insights and recommendations that are driven to you um, from our uh, machine, is what we call it, right? It's an automated uh, system. And so the decision piece is that that's the process that we're trying to improve. We, we actually want to improve how decisions are made uh, in companies. And uh, of course, anything that's giving additional information out to um, our CEOs, that's, we're, that's the intelligence uh, part of it. And it's happening using uh, AI and automation, right? Uh, so that's, that's why we've taken on that mantle. We looked at a lot of companies we uh, that 
were in the decision intelligence space, most of them are all specialized in how they provide decision intelligence to companies. And so our specialty is in service of CEOs um, based on the problem I stated earlier. So why do we choose CEOs? Because CEOs, their job is really hard. How do I know that? I'm one today, but even before (laughs) I was this, I found that the CEOs that called me in um, as both an employee and as a consultant, all were in search of making something easier for them, right? Mm -hmm. How do they get to the point where they are informed about the next step? Because them being informed is important to you or I or whoever at the time having having a job, right? (laughs) Um, Being able to feed our families, all of these things come out of what kinds of decisions are made. Does, is the company successful or not? So they're being able to synthesize different data sources so that they can go quickly is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem that exists. They are often frustrated with how much time it actually takes for them to see where they are. Where they are against their own set of targets, mm-hmm. their own set of assumptions. There are other benchmarks that are relative to other market sources of market intelligence. Those are things that take weeks and weeks for uh, human beings to collect and provide today. Um, Correlating spend against performance. You know how many times I've talked to you, they have no idea the ins and outs of dollars and how it's impacting uh, their ability to grow the business, right? So my ROI on ad spend is very important, right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm seeing that ROI is very important. And then the last one is, who do I actually talk to about improving? So yes, I'm seeing all of this, uh, these charts and graphs, but is anyone telling me how I can actually make things uh, different? So those are the the key reasons why we felt it was important to, to support the CEO and what our... Um, uh, service takes care of. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So let's, um, let's pivot a bit to operations, right? I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, obviously you've been a rev ops and sales ops leader for so many years and, you know, I, you've felt the pains and I've, I have as well. And that's why I keep smiling. They can't see us on video, but I keep smiling and nodding my head because everything <laughs> you're saying really resonates with me. Um, you know, so I've been on this kind of soapbox, right? The past you know, two or three years, really promoting rev ops and, you know, the function and the people. And I always think about revenue operations as this powerful weapon, right? I used to say secret weapon, but I don't think it's a secret anymore, but a powerful weapon really for any organization. And part of what RevOps brings to the table is some of that intelligence, right? And some of those insights to manage and guide the business. So now, you know, you're really in a unique position because as a CEO, but with an ops background, you know, what are your thoughts or maybe some advice for other CEOs, um, relative to how, you know, he or she can best leverage the operations function to really help enable and optimize their business? Oh, love this question. And (laughs) even though I'm a CEO now, I still like RevOps is in my heart. I love it. (laughs) So timing is everything, right? So bringing RevOps to the table at the right time to me is the most important thing to ensure that things are built the right way. So when I think of my own company, as soon as we are ready, RevOps is, a, is an early hire, right? Because what happens is you get the collaborative end-to-end processes. That's required to really be successful 
is to have collaborative processes that are built with everyone in mind. Uh, the infrastructure and the tools. You often hear people, you know, miscalculate when you need to have certain tools and infrastructure in place. This goes back to my point about process earlier. These are things that should be in place early in order to avoid mishaps and actually save some time. The other part is all the supporting details that help you uh, get the right organizational structure to meet the moment. So again, if I'm putting my company in context, right, I'm at a, uh, maybe I'm at a survival stage of, of growth and I'm trying to get to success so that I can understand what's repeatable in my business. Well, I need to know what people I need to have in order to do that. RevOps is a fantastic function to help you to get that information, right? To really put that together. And then the same is true where if RevOps like actually sets the stage on performance, you're usually going to have high ratings because the what you actually need to perform on, having the information tracked uh, at all mm -hmm. times, I think is, is mission critical. Um, and of course, the, the job of reducing friction, right? making sure we get all those good old barriers out of the way so that either salespeople can sell or marketing people uh, understand who and what they're targeting. These are all things you know, a customer success can service the customer and track the intimate details that they need to track. Those are things I think of uh, where RevOps just supports from day one. So I actually think hiring at the right time is, I, I, I couldn't enforce that enough with, with CEOs that I talked to. Love that. I love that. Um, so let's shift gears a bit again. You know, at some point, I hopefully in the near future, I hope that this topic is not even relevant. But unfortunately, I think in today's world, revenue is still a male-dominated field, right? Especially as you look at leadership roles, you see less and less female leaders, especially women of color. So as a RevOps leader, you know, there have been so many times when, you know, I'm the only woman in the room or the only minority or most likely both. Right. So as a woman of, of color in a C-level role, you know, what advice do you have maybe for other women who are looking to elevate their career and continue to, you know, move up that ladder? Yeah. So that is such, I'm glad you asked. It's a, it's a hard question because I have to reflect on uh, my experience to answer it. Right. And, and with that comes a lot of truths that a lot of time people are not ready um, to hear. But I'll start with this. I'll say, as an individual, you have to plan your journey. You have to know everything that there is to know about where it is that you're trying to go. So if you want to be a CEO, then you need to map that out, right? And when you map that out, there are roles and responsibilities that you need to experience in order to get there. So you talked earlier about my journey across multiple different areas, it's intentional, right? Yeah. So being in business development and product strategy is was exceptionally important to where I am today, right? I can't do this role if I don't know how to build products, <laughs> if I don't understand <laughs> how to build revenue models, right? Those are all things that come with uh, managing business development. I don't know how to manage a sales team, uh, do business development. Um, if I'm not a VP of business operations, I don't understand all sides of the business. If I'm not a head of revenue operations, I don't understand what drives each of those 
particular area. So these, all of these are things that go into building out how your journey uh, flows. And when you do that, that means that you actually need to always be writing your next job description, right? And when you write it, you actually need to be working that job description before you get that job. <laughs> so yeah. that, that ability um, to focus in on your own journey is incredibly important. Um, and nowadays, there's a bunch of different um, resources I think I see popping up. I was at Outreach had a, a revenue, uh, a Women's Revenue Innovator Summit last uh, month that I found to be incredible for that reason, like join, finding people who are on a similar path and who may have mm -hmm. already walked that journey in, in a space specifically in revenue and sales, mm -hmm. um, and then being able to kind of have intimate conversations with them. Uh, mm -hmm. So as you map out your journey, you can find the things that work and the things that you kind of want to pull forward. So that, that, that would be another piece of advice is to find those kinds of uh, outlets. And then I, you know, I have to add that for me as a black woman, I, I always had to be willing to work harder than everybody else and get the least in return. That's just the reality that I had to um, live with. And I hope that with all the things that are going on today, all of this awareness and DEI initiatives, that that's going to change. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, today, I'm not holding my breath, right? I'm yeah. not holding my breath that there are any changes. So the because even in my experience as being a, a Black female founder in this climate, with all of the good things going on, I still feel that some of that same pain and disappointment on occasion. So with... Jasmine, my co-founder, Brianna, my other co-founder, what we say is, you know what, we're okay continuing to put in that work um, and being okay with that is going to be important for anyone who's trying to work their way um, up the ladder. And that's whether you're a woman of color, uh, a black woman specifically, or a woman in general, yeah. because um, it things have not yet progressed as far as we'd like to see them. Yeah, 100%. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think it's super helpful, the things that you've shared and just appreciate you taking the time to share that. Um, so, you know, as I think about the revenue engine and this podcast, you know, I always hope others will be able to learn how to accelerate revenue growth and then power the revenue engine. So maybe from your perspective, you know, what are the top couple of things, maybe two or three things that you think all executives should be really thinking about today to help accelerate and grow revenue? Ooh, okay. So number one, I probably said this 10 times already in this podcast, so... <laughs> Focus on growth. Focus. The context of your business is the most important thing. So it's from context to customers, products and services, your priorities, your people, all of these things are wrapped up. And because if you miscalculate your position, it can cost you any opportunity to accelerate growth right? Because your company will fail like the 90% of startups that do, right? Or, and if you go beyond startups, a lot of companies within three to five years end up in a disengagement phase before they're ready. So I always tell my customers, let's exist until we survive. And then we're going to survive until we succeed. And we are going to grow after that. Right? And then when we grow, we can decide if we're going to ride off into the sunset or we're going to hold on for generations. But if we, if we just don't know what we're selling, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't know who we're selling it to, 
if we don't know why they're buying it, or if we don't pay attention to, you know, why we say they want to use it, and we never ask them how they actually feel about it, when they get past that FOMO stage, there is no opportunity to grow revenue. So accelerating it becomes a fantasy mm -hmm. um, if those things aren't taken care of. So that's my, uh, what I think executives should do is just really focus narrowly. Yeah, that's great feedback. That's great <laughs> advice. I love that. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for joining me. Um, but as we wrap up and before I let you go, I always ask two things. So one, you know, what is the thing about you that others might be surprised to learn? And then two, what is the one thing that you really want everyone to know about you? So they kind of go hand in hand, the two things. So the one that people would be um, surprised to learn is because most people see me as like work, 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 you know, tough, 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 but I'm desperate to be able to talk about how important like love and grace is mm -hmm. in the workplace, right? Because, you know, when most people see you as like, get at it, they don't understand what I really want is to get to a point where we can like focus on the impact of caring about people uh, mm -hmm. and their feelings and how that can actually have a successful uh, impact on business growth. So yeah. I, I'm, we're not there yet, um, but that's something people don't think that I think that way, but it is <laughs> incredibly important to me. And so on a similar note, what I want people to know is that I actually believe that people make mistakes, but I don't own dignity. So my job as a leader is to respectfully inspire them and really focus on even my own continual improvement. And this is exactly why I love, love, love data so much. It's because data enables that. So that's, that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being with me and thank you so much for sharing your story and just so many incredible, literally, insights and advice for others. So really appreciate your time today, Tisha, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 